think the meta thing for me that I got from this, obviously there's the seven specific habits and each habit um, is important. Each habit you need to kind of learn and master. Um, all of those seven different things are going to improve your life in some way. And probably each time you read the book, a different one's going to stand out to you. But I think like the meta thing, I guess, is like... Ashto, welcome to the Book Talk Lounge, my brand new podcast. And you are my fifth guest for this section of the show. Nice. Top yeah. five. <laughs> exactly, top five. <laughs> uh, and this section of the show is called Transformational Reads. And we talk about books and that's what, what we're going to do today. And yeah, so thank you for coming, man. Mate, thank you. There's so many transformational books out there. Uh, I don't think you'll ever run out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what's the first book that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about today? Let's start off uh, with this bad boy, "The Seven Good. Habits of Highly Effective People" by Stephen Covey. Oh yeah, nice. Yes. Oh, you got the OG cover. This is like the, this is the 25th <laughs> anniversary cover, so it's slightly different. Yours is the real one. <laughs> Mine's the real one. Is that one bigger or, or smaller, or are they are they uh, the same size? I think it's a bit bigger, but uh, 389 pages, thereabouts. Mm, 370. Mm, there you go. <laughs> I, think I got more. I think I got more acknowledgements and uh, appendices and notes and shit yes. like that at the back that I'd never read anyway. Missing <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, and yeah. So I want to. I want to start uh, talking about how this book came into your life and how that experience was like. So could you share that? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's one of the ones that I think a lot of people probably have heard about. And then if anyone's been to like, a, I don't know, maybe like a seminar or if you've been to some like HR at your work has organized a speaker to come in for the day or some kind of corporate training, like I feel like every corporate trainer likes to quote Stephen Covey or mention one of the seven habits, but maybe everyone's probably heard about it, but I don't think that many people have actually read the full thing, uh, which is a shame because I, th and I think it's probably like one of those books. It's like the, one of the like stereotypical self-help personal development books, which um, maybe isn't a good thing either. It doesn't do it justice because it's bloody phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those ones that came across me just because it, it pops up. It's like on every list, you know, top 10 books you have to read or like top six books of personal development or, you know, top nine books for getting more done or whatever list it is. It seems to always pop up from time to time. And I was like, man, that's, it seems like one of those core foundational books that I have to read. So it's probably in like the first 30 or 40 books that I ever read, I think. Um, and I think it was good to read it at the start. And since then, I've actually probably read it three or four times as well. So you do think that it's uh so so you don't think that it's overrated. You you actually like it and uh you think that all the hype is worth it? Yeah, I think it's actually underrated because all of the hype uh makes it se sound overrated, which then you reduce the rating in your brain because it's so <laughs> overhyped. So actually because of that it actually is underrated. <laughs> If that makes any sense. I don't think it does. Yeah. We'll it it kind of does for, for for a reader. <laughs> yeah. Do you know this guy Jim from Get Better with Books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh I saw that uh he read or he started reading The Seven Habits maybe like a year ago, but he didn't like it. And that oh. was because of the writing style. What do you think about that? Yeah, I know some people don't like it for sure. Um, and there's something like he was a, I think he was a Mormon. Uh, I think he was a Mormon. 
and he's pretty and he's like pretty religious as well. So there's like it's not a religious book by any means, and I'm not a religious person, but like there's definitely times that like religious things pop up which might turn some people off if they if they've got no interest in it. But I don't think it's I don't think for me it wasn't a turn off whatsoever. Yeah, in, I'm not sure if it's in the second habit. I think it's in that one uh, that he talks about this lenses through which you can see life, and one of those is like religion or or something like that. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, so I, I want to get into into the seven habits and into how you have applied each of them. Uh, so yeah, you know, just for for people listening, can you give an overview of what the book is about and what what the seven habits actually means? Yeah, definitely. Well. I guess the uh, the sort of overarching idea of the book is the difference between P and PC, so production and productive capacity. So a lot of people are just focused on production, like go go go, do do do, get get shit done. Um, but this is a lot about building your productive capacity. So kind of like uh, you know. Rather than like chopping the slicing the pizza up into slices as effectively as possible, it's like about growing the pizza, uh, or what's like another metaphor. Instead of just like you've got one bucket, like trying to carry water, it's like get a bigger bucket or plug the holes or whatever whatever metaphor you want to use. It's like <laughs> it's about increasing your capacity to be able to get shit done. So it's less about focusing on productivity and more about focusing on growing that productive capacity. Um, so. Uh, As part of that, he's kind of got like the private victory, which is like building up yourself. Um, so there's three habits in that. Then there's like the the pro, uh, the public victory, which is like improving your interactions and relationships with uh, other people. And then like then there's three habits in that. And then the seventh is just like one an overarching like kind of everything habit. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go through all like list off the seven habits and, and talk through those, or do you want to go through them individually, or how do you want to do it? I would like you to choose which I would like you to pick one uh, first, maybe your yeah. favorite, and then we, we can uh, go from there. Okay. Um, be proactive. We may as well start with habit one um, because uh, it makes sense to start with habit one. <laughs> <laughs> be proactive. Be proactive. Uh, it kind of sounds obvious. And this is the thing with, I think, this book as well. Like it sounds obvious, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing just because it's obvious. Um, doesn't mean that everybody's doing it. It's like logically people know it, but that doesn't mean mm. that they actually know how to do it. So there was a couple of things inside Be Proactive that they kind of uh, they kind of slapped me up a bit. Uh, firstly, the opposite, I guess, of proactive is reactive. So reactive is just things happen and you react to them. Um, whereas proactive is like actually being the one to uh, consciously think about and then act out the things that you want to do. Um, realizing that things happen and then you respond to them and there's a gap in between those things. There's always a gap between stimulus and response. And it's in that gap uh, where you choose. That's where you become effective. If, if that gap, if you like make that gap really short and make bad decisions, then you're just reacting. But if you can like somehow uh, broaden that gap and make actual conscious choices inside that gap, uh, then you're going to be far better off. Uh, so that's like one part of be proactive. And then the best, probably the best thing that really, that really made a difference is this bad boy here. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. The circle, circle of concern of influence and influence. And mm -hmm. the circle of concern. Yeah. So there's obviously, there's a circle of concern. So that's all the things that you're thinking about or all the things that you're worried about 
or all the things that are playing on your mind, all the things you're concerned about, which is a bloody big circle. There's a lot of things <laughs> that we're thinking about and worrying about. There's some things outside of our circle of concern. Um, like there's probably something, there's like uh, the uh, relationship in another country of two people you don't know that's on the rocks that like it's a concern to them, but it's not a concern to you. That's outside your circle of concern, but there's plenty of things inside your circle of concern. Then there's a smaller sub-circle, which is a circle of influence. That's the things that you uh, have influence over. That's the things that you can do something about, something that you can be proactive about, something that you can control. So uh, there's a smaller circle of that. I've got uh, influence over what I'm going to do today. I can choose, am I going to go to this meeting or am I going to go and watch TV instead? That's within my circle of influence. I can choose that. Uh, within my there's a so then there's like a the difference between your influence and concern. There's things that you're concerned about that you can't influence. For example, you might be you might want to uh, be you're pitching a deal or you're pitching an, an idea for a new business. You can't control if they're going to buy from you or not. You can only control how good your pitch is. That's within your influence. You can make the best possible pitch. Obviously, you're going to be concerned if they're actually going to buy it or not, but you mm -hmm. can't control that. So it's kind of like trying to find the limits of what can you control, what can't you control. So effective people expand their circle of influence and reduce their circle of concern. So that's kind of that was a, a really big one for me. Yeah, it is. You know, I if I, if this was the first time that I was listening uh, about this concept, uh, and I, I would think uh, about how does it relate to the idea of the PPC balance of productivity and production capability. How do you relate that initial idea with with this one? So how is yeah, productivity absolutely. defined in, in in proactiveness? Yeah, definitely. There's a big part of you, a big part of your time is wasted on things inside your circle of concern, but outside your circle of influence. So in terms of like productivity or productive capacity, if you can eliminate the time wasted on all the things that you're concerned about that you can't influence, then that's going to be a hell of a lot of extra time that you can put mm -hmm. towards things you actually can influence. So it's, it's about recognizing when can you influence something and when can you not influence something. It's kind of like it's it's kind of hard to just say, oh, I can't influence it, so don't worry about it. And there's always going to be some things that you're concerned about that you can't influence, but you need to try to minimize those. I think it's about finding uh, and being honest with yourself: what can you influence and what can't you influence? If you can't, try as best as you can not to be concerned about. And if you can, then give it your full effort and full energy and full attention. Have you got any advice on how not to be concerned about things that we may sense uh, get concerned about? I think I, I don't know. I think I, I kind of, I was going to say, I feel like I naturally do it, but maybe it's just because <laughs> I have been reading, you know, hundreds of books over the last number of years that maybe it's kind of like all become ingrained, but I definitely like um, one, one, okay. So one obvious example, what's today? Today's for me, I'm recording on Saturday in one week from today, like exactly one week from today, plus a few hours, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married. So I've got my wedding in one week from today. Congratulations. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah. So my, dude, my, so my future wife is been every day checking the weather. Every day she's checking the weather. Is it going to be too hot? Is it going to be windy? Is it going to be raining? Um, whereas I'm like, we can't control the weather. 
Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we'll work it out. Like, firstly, I don't trust the weather people enough to know. Like, they don't know shit, man. <laughs> they don't know if it's going to be sunny, raining, windy, whatever. It's like so far away. Maybe like the day before or the day of, they might be closer. But right now, they've got no idea. <laughs> so, we shouldn't be worrying. Oh, shit. They're forecasting there's there's a 30% chance of rain. Should we move it from outside to inside or should we buy an extra month? Like, there's nothing we can really do like um, about that that I think deserves us to worry about it. So I think it's kind of like part of it is probably just like naturally I'm less of a, a warrior. Uh, and then part of it is probably just from all these different books I've read. It's like realizing that, yeah, you can't control the weather. So you're just going to have to adapt to it when it comes. Yeah, and that's actually a, a, a great and simple example. But I mean, simple examples are present in, in all of our lives. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess that that's pretty relatable. Um, and you also mentioned something interesting, and it's that being proactive is time saving. And they relate this with the second habit of, you know, begin well, with the second and the third habit of beginning with an end in mind and then uh, putting first things first. Which one of those would you like to talk about first? Yeah, I think, um, as I said, so I've, I've read this book like three or four times and it seems like every time a new habit sticks out to me. So definitely the first time I read it, that circle of influence, circle of concern, that was like, that was a massive eye opener because I'd kind of never heard it before. Mm -hmm. um, but then obviously like, it's not a foreign concept. It's not like this is the first time this guy sort of it. It's very like grounded in like stoicism and also Adlerian psychology as well that after I'd like read more books like that, it wasn't as profound to me as the mm. first time I read it. But then like reading these later and later, like, yeah, these other habits did stick out a lot more to me. Um, I do like begin with the end in mind uh, and it's an important one, but it's probably not my favorite in all honesty. I probably out of those two prefer put first things first. And again, maybe that's just because of the, the number of times I read it and kind of like the point at which I'm reading this one. Okay, yeah. So let's let's talk about that one. How has that idea or that habit uh, impacted your life? There's a simple uh, there's a simple matrix, and I've I've drawn and, and shit I've drawn shit all over it. <laughs> But there's like that that simple matrix, um, and it's not even it's not even Covey's matrix. He ripped it off someone else. I believe it's called <laughs> the Eisenhower matrix. Uh, <clears throat> But there's urgent. And there's important, and you got to rate things on those. So there's either there's two columns. There's either urgent or not urgent, and then there's either important or not important. So there's two by two. It gives you four possible uh, quadrants. Quadrant four is the things that are not important and not urgent. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of things that you can think about that are not important and not urgent. I'm sure like reading through all your spam email is like not important and not urgent. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of like scrolling on social media without any intention. That's definitely not urgent, not important. Um, telemarket is calling you from an unknown number. You answering that is probably not urgent, not important. There's like plenty of uh, things that are just time wasters in that thing. Uh, the goal with quadrant four is to eliminate that as much as possible. Try to prune out all of the time wasters, getting rid of all of those different things. Uh, if we move across to quadrant three, that's urgent, uh, but not important. So there's plenty of things that feel urgent. That's probably more like the telemarketer calling you. There's a the phone's ringing. You know that the phone's only going to be ringing for like 15 seconds before it stops ringing. So you feel like okay, I'm gonna I have to answer this phone call. Uh, 
but it's probably not important. A lot of a lot of <laughs> phone calls you get are probably not that important. Um, if they are really important, then they'll probably email you later to work it out, or they'll call you back. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time with that phone ring, it feels super urgent, but it's probably not that important. Um, maybe it's like the uh, a brand new TV show has just dropped. Uh, I know they, they drop whole whole series now, but say it's like a it's a once a week TV show, and the brand new episode just dropped. It feels like it's really urgent. You've got to be one of the first ones to watch that episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, so it feels urgent, but it's probably not that important. Like it's probably not as urgent as you think it is. Um, and it's also probably not that important that you have to watch that show right now. Um, yeah. So, so there are so, things that we're there. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, go for it. Another thing that, well, another way to to put it like in a more, understandable way uh, at least from my perspective would be like uh things that you have the fear of missing out on mm. so yeah just like i mean the new tv the new uh tv show yeah that uh you can just watch once and if you don't watch it then uh i mean you didn't watch it uh and that's sort of urgent that's scarce i guess uh but it's not very important either <laughs> mm. no definitely not definitely not um the solution to those things is if you feel like you have to do them, uh, delegate those ones as much as possible. So say if you were a, if you're a, a manager or something, then you should be delegating that to somebody else because it feels urgent, but it's not important enough for you to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. if we move up to quadrant one, we've got the mix of urgent and important. So there's plenty of things that fit into this that I'm sure you can think of, like anything that's like firefighting, anything that's like crises, anything that's like pressing problems, anything that's got a deadline, there's a report due, it's Tuesday, the big report's due tomorrow, then it's urgent and it's important, then the solution is just you have to do it. You have to do it and you probably have to do it now, basically. If it's urgent and important, then you just got to do it as soon as possible. Uh, Now, the most important quadrant uh, I shouldn't say important because that's one of the 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 features of this uh, of this matrix. But the most uh, let's say the most crucial and probably the most underlooked as well is quadrant two activities, and that's important but not urgent. So that's all. This is really the PC productive capacity growing type of stuff. This is all your personal development stuff. So for example, uh, reading a book is important because there's so many things that you could learn and improve on, but it's not urgent. There's no one. There's no deadline that you have to read this book by this time. There's no boss who's yelling at you saying, finish this book. There's no uh, thing on your calendar that is forcing you that you have to do this urgently um, or there'll be consequences. Uh, there's plenty of other things in that in, in terms of like important but not urgent. So like goal setting, um, building relationships, um, looking for new opportunities like business building opportunities, like all these things fit into important but not urgent. And the problem with this thing is because there's no deadline, because there's no alarm, because there's no uh, consequences of this is that people don't do them. Like even though we know that we should do them, we don't do them. They're they're like vital to growing our productive capacity. They're vital to improving ourselves. But because there's no deadline on it, we just don't do it. So it's kind of like the, the the most crucial thing for you to do is to set aside time to do these quadrant two activities. Yeah, to stop procrastinating, which is something very difficult to do many times because, I mean, it's not like the most interesting or engaging or, uh, yeah, well, fun thing many times. Uh, yeah. but, 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 as, but as you said, it's, it's, it could be the most important thing that, that you do. 
Yeah, for sure. Like reading books, um, you and I, we both love it. Uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no um, urgency that we have to read this book at this time, but we know that it's important. We know that there's value to it. So we have to find time to do it. I think time to do it. Yeah, I, I think that I have already heard how you and Jonesy uh, manage your podcast, but do you ever set any deadlines to finish a book to then talk about it or anything like that? I suppose the deadline is like that we know that we have to record it. Um, we know that every Saturday morning or every Friday morning, a new episode goes up. So if we haven't done it by then, I guess that's our, that's our perceived deadline. <laughs> um, it's not a like... There's nobody else telling us we have to do it by that time. It's a self-imposed deadline. Uh, but yeah, we know that, okay, the episode has to go up on Friday morning. Before that, we know that our editor, we want, we don't want to like send it to her at midnight on Thursday. We want to like give, give her, you know, two, three, four days maybe to edit it and then for us to listen back. So we know that that's got to go like backwards from there. Then we know like we've got to actually record it, which is going to take a day. We know that we're going to have to do like reviewing the notes uh, beforehand, which is going to take one or two days before that. We know that the person who actually writes the notes is going to take four, five, six days. So that's going back from there. So we know that like the real deadline is at least two, three weeks before the episode is due to go out at an absolute minimum um, <laughs> and preferably even earlier so we can get a bit, of, bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, because if not, it's not effective. You don't have that balance between production and the, the production capability. That's yeah, that's it. Well, I would like to talk about uh, just one more habit, which is uh, another habit that you find very interesting or, or valuable. Yeah, so that was a, so the ones we've spoken about are all in the, in the private victory. After that, he then goes on to the the public victory, which is about dealing with other people. So like habit four, think win-win. Habit five, seek first to be seek first to understand, then to be understood. And then habit six is synergize. I think my favorite of those is is habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. But I think we should probably finish with habit seven, sharpen the saw. Um, so sharpen the saw is all about uh, how do you renew yourself? How do you regenerate yourself? I guess how do you keep yourself fresh to be able to then tackle all of the six other habits, um, growing your productive capacity, but also uh, being productive as well. Um, and so the the sharp and the saw uh, comes from that old uh, that old quote. You know, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first seven hours sharpening the saw. Mm. So it's all about the things that you can do in all aspects of your life. Uh, you know, health, diet, uh, exercise and fitness, uh, meditation, uh, you know, religion in his sense, um, family, social interactions, all the different things that you do that keep you fresh, that kind of regenerate yourself, uh, that give you energy back to then be able to tackle all those other ones. So I think it's always, it's always about thinking before you really get into something, what do you need to do to prepare yourself in order to do that? So how, what do you need to do to sharpen the saw so that when you're chopping down that tree, it's effective as possible? So what are the activities and the, the habits that you have to, to keep that balance between the, the production and the production capability again? <laughs> yeah, for sure. An important one is definitely like sleep, getting the right, right sleep. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to have a consistent bedtime, a consistent wake up time and trying not to do too much uh, screen time before going to sleep. I think that's a big one. Uh, I, I definitely feel, um, because of, uh, obviously because of lockdowns and stuff that we've had, like 
a lot of like I couldn't go swimming. And so I didn't swim for like 18 months. But then like in the last month, I've gone swimming two or three times. And the days that I go swimming in the morning, I definitely feel better throughout the day. So there's like a big, a big one. Sometimes I feel like if I go running, it's kind of hit and miss. If I go for a run, sometimes I'll feel great. Sometimes I'll feel worse. But I feel like whenever I go for a swim, I always feel better throughout that day. So for me, that's just like, that's one thing. Going swimming, definitely going into like the ocean as well, like a, a freezing cold ocean, definitely. Uh, <laughs> feels good for the rest of the day as well. Yeah, it's um, a wake up. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's a real wake up. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it um, is. <laughs> so yeah, things like things like that, thinking about it's going to be different for for everybody. Um, um, but yeah, thinking about what are the things for you that you can do consistently every day that are going to give you energy. Yeah. And well, you know, just before starting to wrap up, you also mentioned well, that uh, the fifth habit is one of your favorites. We can talk about that one uh, briefly if you want. What sticks out from that one uh, for you? Yeah, it's two parts. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. So a lot of people, talk, when they talk, they'll say things and then they'll stop and then the other person talks and you'd think they're listening, but they're not. All they're doing is you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? So you're already planning what the next thing you're going to say. And be, and then you actually don't even listen to that person. And you might get lucky and the thing that you say makes sense. But sometimes it's like you say something and it's like, did you even listen to what I just said? And the answer is <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't listen to what you just said because they were thinking about what they were going to say next. Um, so the important bit about that is obviously seeking first to understand. The first thing you want to do is be an effective listener. You want to understand what people are saying. Stop, stop thinking, focus on them, listen, uh, because you're going to hear not just the words that they're saying, but then like the actual meaning behind those words. So digging a little bit deeper, not assuming that you know what they're thinking um, because you don't know what they're thinking, but trying as best as possible to try to get a proper effective understanding of what they're saying. And then part two of that is in being an effective communicator. So seek first to understand and then to be understood. So making it as easy as possible for somebody else to understand you. Um, if you can be you know, an effective, uh, whether it's a public speaker or speaking one-on-one -on -one with somebody, if you can speak in a way that actually gets your message across, um, then that's going to be vitally important as well. So thinking about not just how can you be an effective listener, but also an effective talker. Which one from these two you, do, you, do you think uh, people struggle the most with? Oh, definitely, definitely the first one. Uh, definitely the people not actually listening, definitely just uh, people assuming they know what other people think without actually listening to what they're saying and trying to under understand what they're saying um, is a big one that everybody suffers from. And then it's, you kind of got to do that first and then you can move on to part two. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it's it's part of communication, uh, it, even that. Uh, and that's part of being a, a good communicator. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, well... Um, and how I like to wrap up these conversations around books uh, is by the guests, so in this case, you, uh, reviewing the book in just a, a couple sentences and sharing maybe what's like the key takeaway, the key golden nugget that people can implement or that people can get value from. Yeah, let me try to think of like a meta one. Um, I think the meta thing for me that I got from this Obviously, there's the seven specific habits and each habit um, is important. Each habit you need to kind of learn and master. Um, all of those seven different things are going to improve your life in some way. And probably each time you read the book, a different one is going to stand out to you. But I think like the meta thing, I guess, is like is thinking about that balance between P and PC. 
So like not getting so stuck in productivity hacks that you're not thinking about the bigger picture, that you're not taking time to pause and reflect to improve yourself in all different areas so that you can be more productive in the long term, like to grow the, um, the other metaphor, I guess, is like the, the goose that lays the golden egg. Like we're so focused on getting the golden eggs um, and sometimes we just want to go and cut that goose open and get all the golden eggs at once. But as soon as you do that, you've killed the goose that lays the golden eggs. You want to you want to treat that goose nicely. You want to you want to feed him. You want to give him water. You want to maybe give him some pats. You want to play some nice <laughs> Mozart music to keep him calm, um, so that they can keep laying those golden eggs. And of course, you're the goose. You're the goose that you need <laughs> to treat well because you're the one who's laying your own golden eggs. So if you can if you can view yourself as that goose and treat yourself nicely. Um, then you're going to keep laying out those golden eggs. Yes. Well, thank you for that takeaway. And, you know, just a fun fact, fun fun story. Uh, When I started uh, posting stuff on YouTube for the Reader Lounge, my first video was about the seven habits. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, and actually in that video... It, it was all about just defining what this PC balance was. <laughs> <laughs> and the video basically went around this idea of the of the goose and the the golden nice. egg. So, so yeah, I like that that analogy and that and that way to Yeah. And that and that way to to wrap up. So thank you for sharing uh, your takeaways and your experience with uh, the seven habits with with us. Thanks so much, mate. Appreciate it.